0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. We are speaking about the subject that nobody wants to speak about because it's too freaking scary, isn't it? Redundancies and the experience of, you know, performing redundancies as as yourselves, the HR individual. Your company, but also feeling the stress of those redundancies being uh, performed upon you. We are having such an amazing atmosphere right here because we've all been through a redundancy, myself and Karthika, and we have also been making other people redundant. That's just the job that we have to do sometimes. So getting you the best value out of this podcast is going to mean that we will tell you some fruitful and actionable and tasty tips and tricks on how to make your and your employees redundancies experience memorable, but in the positive way this time. I am, as always, joined by Karthika here.
1: Hi everyone, obviously excited for, for this one. It's not an exciting topic to say the least, it's one of the ones that no one wants to talk about as Olya said, but um, we have plenty to say, I have specifically plenty to say, um, but I know somebody else here who has plenty to say as well, because we are joined by April who Hello. is with us today. Hi, how are you hey. doing? Hey, I'm very good, thank you. How are you both? very great I'm excited
2: I'm excited too like you both said this is a conversation that nobody wants to have but needs to have um, so I'm really thrilled to be joining you two to actually have that conversation that nobody wants to have but needs to have
1: <laughs> exactly and you're our special guest so tell us a little bit about yourself
2: I like that, special. Um, I think everyone is special, by the way. Um, so my name is April Williams. I am the founder of Candid HR. So it's a platform where we have honest conversations with everything to do in HR. So really glad to be on board with you guys today uh, to have those honest conversations. Um, aside that, I'm also a HR and talent consultant and um, work with clients on their dni strategies as well so quite busy um even though everything is locked up right now but i do believe as hr people and being people people this is our time where we really need to support companies to make sure they're making the right decisions and support one another right because we do 100%. Sometimes we are forgotten. The people people are the people that tend to be forgotten during these processes. So this is why Candid um, HR was set up. It was a platform where HR professionals want to have those honest conversations. And if they're the only people, um, only HR professionals within their company, they can have a network where they can have those honest conversations and feel um, supported uh, by the group
1: as well. That's wonderful. And uh, I hope to have some really honest conversations today because we've got some fantastic topics um, that we're going to run through um, on the redundancy front. So our first topic um, is going to be crafting our communication strategy. Um, As we all know, that's very important. Um, And then moving past that, our second topic, we're going to be supporting how can we support our managers and uh, the people team who are executing it because, as I said, we've got to support one another, guys. We yeah, we do. Um, and the third topic is supporting people after the process is complete. Um, so that this one is a really good one, um, and yeah, so let let's let's get right to it. Let's not waste any time. I hate wasting time, so let's do it. Crafting your communication strategy. Let's do that. What do you, what what do you actually do to get this set up? And what's the language you're using? Email, audio calls, video calls? Tell us a little bit, April.
2: Yeah, so right now, communication is key, right? In everything we do, your communication strategy needs to be top-notch. And it's not what you say, it's how you say it. People tend to remember how you say something more than remembering what exactly you said. So making sure that your comms strategy is clear and those that are communicating the information understand why they're saying what they're saying and what was the rationale behind it. So when you're starting communication, unfortunately, as most people are working from home right now, um, there's no opportunity to do it face-to-face and I'm sure we all here know how it feels um, to be made redundant and we possibly had the opportunity for it to be done face-to-face. But as we are, um, unfortunately, most of us are working from home, this process is being done online. So there's various different ways, as you've just mentioned, emails, calls, video calls, are um, the ways that we are communicating with our teams right now. However, it doesn't mean communication should be not focused on. So when we look at the tone of voice, the first way anybody who is delivering this message will understand how they should communicate it with empathy is by them understanding why this redundancy is going, is going on, why these particular roles are being made redundant. And I think it's quite key here to mention that if you're in a position where you are being made redundant, you need to understand that it's not personal. In these situations, with what's happening in our current climate, it's the role that is being made redundant versus you personally being made redundant. So try and not take it personally. And also, as a person who is making someone redundant, if you're a manager or in you know, a HR position, understand that the language that you're using needs to relay that message that it's not the person particularly or personally that's been made redundant, but it's actually the role that's been made redundant. So communicating why that particular role is being made redundant is so crucial as part of the communication strategy, because that would support that person who's been made redundant to understand the bigger picture, if you understand what I mean. Um, and as long alongside that is also outlining what the legal aspects of it is. So as we already know, if you are making a large number of people redundant, which is 19 or more, you have to go through a consultation process. Now for us people, people and HR professionals, we know exactly what that means, but to somebody that doesn't know the legal aspects of a redundancy process, they will not understand what that consultation process is. So again, when you're communicating that with um, the group, that are at risk, you need to think about the best way of communicating it. So if it's a video call, start off with a video call, but then follow up with an email. After you followed up with an email, also, give people an opportunity if they want to speak to somebody then they can speak to somebody um, but using all these forms of online communication together as a cocktail is better than just having one way of communicating because sometimes people take informations in different ways right if you're giving someone such a big news to expect them just to take the news on a video call it's, it's, not, it's not being realistic, really. But always using all these mediums as a cocktail would really help to ensure that your communication is um, heard by the right people.
1: Awesome. I, I totally
0: agree. Olya, what are your, your thoughts? I think w- when we speak and when we like, actually use our words... <laughs> <laughs> we, as, as you said, April, it's about uh, not, not exactly maybe what you say so much, but it's the emotion that you impose in somebody. It's the way you make them feel when you communicate this. And getting your message through includes your tone of voice. It, it of course, includes kind of your, your choice of words in describing a, a certain reason for the redundancy, like focusing on the role. And a lot and, and explaining where that is coming from, why the business needs that to happen and things like this. But another part of it is all of the emotion that goes into uh, transcribing that message. So as we kind of think about this, if um, ourselves or the managers who are communi- communicating this message, they're trying to make the, this person on the other end feel a certain way. But they themselves at this moment in time feel something too. They feel maybe fear. Maybe they feel anxious of, of how this is going to land. Maybe they feel, you know, scared of, of rejection from the other person, of retaliation, uh, you know, scared of be able to handle a difficult conversation if somebody on the other end starts crying or explodes with with anger it is all very you know it is all very very serious sometimes of how much actually um, how much stuff is happening in someone's head while they are crafting this message, while they're trying to make it come across in the most non-threatening, most humane way possible, while themselves on the inside, they're crumbling and they're super scared. (laughs) So for me, you know, because communication is such a core element of this, we need to empower the person who communicates um, to have some certain, you know, tools or, or, or things to to fall back on to calm themselves down and give themselves more uh, confidence of putting that message together. Yeah. I mean, sometimes oh sorry
2: go ahead <laughs> no I, to- I totally uh agree with you so much so um when the first wave of redundancies happened um i was consulting a few clients and what i worked with them on is actually having workshops where we go through scenarios so like you said there's some people that um would be very emotional in their meetings, and not everybody knows how to deal with someone who is emotional at that point. And understanding that there is a, a comms that you have to relay, so there's the legal aspects and the things that you need to cover, but there's also the part where you just want to comfort that person. How do you comfort that person online? Um, because you're not in the same room as them, right. So it's using your words and it's giving that person the time and the space to actually deal with those emotions. So I think as part of the communication strategy, I completely agree with you, Arla, is that they need to actually do the scenario planning and do this kind of practice runs, essentially, before you send your troops out to actually um, have those conversations one-to-one. So yeah, I'm
1: totally in agreement with you. I think just on (laughs) on that remote um, points that you made and both of you made such wonderful points it's all about communication and um, having been on a side where um, I've been made and been made redundant and also I've had had to communicate it. um, I know the strategies behind it and the thinking behind it, but the person in front of you doesn't. Um, and that 's the truth of it, because you do a job where it 's your life to to know how how processes like this happen doesn 't mean the person in front of you knows how that specifically happens, um, and I think we forget that sometimes, um, and we don 't put it in terms of put yourself in the other person 's shoes who 's getting who 's being communicated they 're being made redundant. And as you said, your communication strategy really lies on how many people you are being made redundant at that time. Is it 25 people? Is it one? Um, And really, if it's 25 people, it should be, even if you're having a consultative period, tell your employees what that consultation period actually is. Um, I think that's the most important part, Um, as you said. um, What is that? consultation period um how like how are you going before you even start redundancies have a strategy have it planned out point by point timelines everything What um, what is the packages you're going to be giving don't be changing packages because people you know i think yeah you, you have to think things through before you communicate them and yeah and don 't let your employees beg for for what they 're entitled to because they know they 're entitled to it don 't have them beg for it. Make sure you 've got it all down um, you're you're ready for the tough questions as well um, whoever you're putting on, on who's communicating it. And as I said, it shouldn't be a HR process solely. It should also be communicated by their direct managers. And I think that's the best way to do it really. Um, to, especially when you're being remote, um, have HR there, but really it should be one that comes from you, the direct manager be, being there as well. Even if it's just as a supporting role to the HR manager as well. Um, yes. Yeah, have them there. I think, it's and that,
2: yeah. Sorry, and I think as well, timing of these meetings is so important. And sometimes, when we're stuck in the planning and we're stuck in how we're communicating it, sometimes we forget about the timing of which you are communicating this information. So, for example, if you are having a consultation with um, with your employees think outside the box a little bit. So if you're having a conversation with somebody at four o'clock in the afternoon, you've ruined their regardless of what time you speak to anybody, you're gonna ruin their day if it's not good news, right? But if you're speaking to somebody at four o'clock and your consultation meeting lasts an hour, that doesn't give that person enough time to actually go back, think if they want to come back to you on that point at that day, because that's the end of the working day, right? and also first thing in the morning at nine o'clock might also ruin someone's day. So actually thinking about how you make time that allows for you yourself as the person who is communicating this information, that you're not waking up and having to kind of go, go forth and, Um, be in back-to-back meetings with various different people. But then you're also allowing the person who's receiving the information prepare themselves for that meeting as well. So whatever their morning routine may be, they have that time to do their morning routine. And also if you're doing it in the afternoons, not too late as well. So that person can also um, have their session of how they wind down or um, if they want to reach out to anybody else for advice they have a working day to do so So that's one part and the other part as well is that yes redundancies are hard planning is crucial but then also if you want to if you want to do it right and you want to ensure that your people are looked after especially during this pandemic you have to think again think outside the box and Put a little bit of resources behind it. So again, when we're looking at if you're making um, a mass redundancy where it's, I think it's 19 people or more, and you have to take them through a consultation period, take the time out and and look at your wellbeing package. What does that look like? Are you able to offer that um, to an extent? Um, Are you able to use external resources um, like any wellbeing um, organisations or any counsellors or anything like that are you able to offer that right at the beginning of the process where they feel like they have um the support right from the beginning to the end
1: yeah your eap can come at a better time um during this process and i think um it is also our job to be consultative right um to to say well look like you're going through through this this is all of the benefits that you are still entitled to. Please do use it. Um, one of the things that I found was very useful um, during my consultation period specifically was a financial advisor. Um, because, you know, during this time, uh, you don't know when you're going to get your next job, right? Especially during these kinds of times. Um, pandemic has been an incredibly hard hard scenario for a lot of people being made redundant right now, um, spending six, seven months without a job. And yeah. it's a scary process and it's a scary thought. So, um, for those of you who are out there and, um, who are struggling to find a role in, you know, I think having a financial advisor to help you finance your, your lives, your, um, you know, where, what you're going to do with your money is, is a really important aspect to all of this. And uh, one aspect that companies, you know, really forget. Um, and just on this point, no matter as a company, and this is not an excuse as a company to, do, to communicate badly, but um, no matter as a company, how, how well you do this process, there's always going to be people who are angry about it right? You are making someone's livelihood come to an end. <laughs> um, yeah. and that's not easy. Um, so take everything, you know, if they're ranting at you, take it for that moment, give them constructive advice, give them advice on how to, um, go about their next steps, what, what they can do, um, even pass it, all of this process. And that's our next, um, our third topic anyway, but, um, Really, during the process, you need to give them time to really think about stuff. Because I, I knew I was going to be made redundant before I gave the news to other people, right? So, I had a good week, <laughs> or at least um, a good um, couple of a couple of days before everyone else knew. Um, and I think because of that. Uh, By the time I I realized it, when I got to telling them, I was, like, way more, way more sympathetic in understanding their feelings. And, um, and the thing is, they came out of those meetings going, oh, this is horrible, blah, blah, blah. And really, the next day, they were gone. Um, And, and this is the problem is that they didn't have time to ask the questions. They were in a 15 minute consultation. Um, can I just say 15 minute consultation is really not enough. Um, No,
2: that, that's the opening. Your 15 minutes should be the opening. That should not be the whole
1: consultation. No, (laughs) and do not ever do a 15 minute consultation with anybody. It's even if you're doing it in, in a mass, that is not on you. The reason for the two, the two weeks or the four weeks that we have past 19 people is the reason for that is genuinely because you can spend one or two hours. People can think things through. Um, you can then think about your job matrixes. Um, can you actually afford to keep this person on? Um, what can they do to convince you? And as an employee, you, you should know in a consultation period, you have rights to also go back and also talk to your, to your managers, to, to HR, um, about why you should be staying um and negotiating also your packages um now that's one of the things before you go out to the masses (laughs) or you go out to a person make sure the package is fair make sure it's yeah
2: Um, and just to touch upon that so you know now we're we're looking at redundancies due to the pandemic i guess right now um a lot of people that are have been furloughed um some people are in a position where they had to sign um some sort of document that um there was either changes made to their um to their employment contracts etc in terms of their um notice periods so before i my advice um to employers and employees, if you're an employee and you're in a position where you're being made redundant, please take the time to prepare for your consultation meetings and highlight anything anything that you don't understand. this is not um, a case where you look stupid because again no,
1: stupid. no one
2: no one is has gone through this in this season, right no one's ever gone through this crazy pandemic so no question like you just said is a stupid question so answer questions and as an employer as well this is not the time to be crafty um, and this <laughs> is not the time i am being so honest this is not the time to be crafty and this is not the time to use big words that only you know and you understand let's use simple english here and be honest about what is available to them And have an impartial person who's either in your legal counsel or HR team should be your impartial advisors anyway. But if you have the privilege of having a legal counsel um, within your organisation that understands employment law, please use them as well within this process. Um, And because they're at your disposal, right? And allow employees to answer questions that they may They may think it's stupid, but it's not stupid.
0: It is so important, Um, you know, guys, what you, what you are describing here are things that you have to think about in advance. And so one of the, one of the kind of thoughts that I've been harboring (laughs) this, this, this past few minutes is that uh, getting proper tools in place. Is necessary in the times of calm. So, right now, for example, where I'm working, we're not planning on making people redundant, but I'm going ahead and I'm creating a redundancy process now while I do not anticipate any redundancies happening at all. But I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write down all of the guidance that I'm going to give. I'm going to write down Uh, The actual process and step by step, I'm going to create all of the templates of communication before and after and during. And the reason why I want to do all of this is because in the moment that you are announcing these things, you do not have that mental space and that capacity to be thinking. Thinking about all of those things holistically, you are in a survival mode where you rush through getting everything done. It's not a process where you are, um, you know, able to, I guess, be so, um, like, oh, improv about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah improv right it is legal Uh, there is stuff in there there is glossary of words in there that you may not know that your people don't know and getting all of that in place beforehand is going to give you so much more space and time and brain power to be creative and to really make this into you know a beautiful process that you are going to be proud of, but it is also going to make a much better, more positive impact on your people as they're going through this. So that when the time comes, and hopefully it never will, but when the time comes, you have all of this in front of you and you know what you wrote down there, you know you know how you're going to approach this. And, and so it's not going to be rushed. It's not going to be unstable. It's going to be also
2: through. I, I think that's that so great. That is that is the most realistic way of dealing with it, right? Because as you just said, there's the legal aspects that you just have to get done. But there's also and this falls into your employer, you know, employer value proposition, right? you as a company how you look after your people will determine what they say about you when they leave. Right. So it's not a personal thing. And I think what you're doing is so right. And it's so great. I've worked with clients. I've also taken that process. um, And I've come in and supported them in terms of the training side of things. So having those sessions, those workshops, sorry, where we talk about, um, how to be empathetic, how to give construction, uh, constructive feedback, how to support your employees um, to deal with stress and resilience and stuff like that. So I think you are doing an amazing job. That is a great way to deal with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Templa- template it out. And I think that moves on really well um, to our next topic, which is supporting your managers and people team who are executing it what resources can you offer how often can you catch up and i love that because it's now a smooth transition in in into this because we were talking about obviously earlier you said people don't as in you wouldn't have the time and that's why you're templating it um because you don't have the mental capacity um and so this this point is our our next point and um And I I couldn't agree more that managers particularly need support. And I loved what you said, April, is that managers need support in this as well. And running those workshops um, is such a good idea. Um, Even before something like this happens, it's like, you know, disaster training. We get that for like earthquakes (laughs) and, you know, fires and stuff. Well, let's have it for this. It is for for a lot of people, this is this is disaster training in HR, really, um, and this is something that we need to we need to take seriously um, because these are, as I said, and I will continually put this out there because it's people's lives you are messing with, their livelihoods. So having this training is very important. Um, look, junior managers. specifically managers who have never done this and some managers who are even senior have never done this right so exactly you know as a people team we also need support but we need to be supporting those guys um and then supporting ourselves um in this process because it's so difficult for us emotionally difficult we are seeing the people we you know, have spent our time with, we're the people people, we we laugh with them, we <laughs> cry with them, and really, it's emotional, and it was emotional for me to see my colleagues um, in a position, even though I knew I'm in the same position, right, um, but I felt like I needed to stand by them, Um, and you can't, you're helpless. You can't. Yeah,
2: but I think what you've just said it just is, it's a great summary of what Alia um mentioned before, how she's um preparing for the process. It's like literally uh disaster training, and I think companies need to see it as your fire planning right in a in a case of a fire, what do you need to do? I think everybody knows that right you don't take the list and you run down the stairs and you go to your you know um assembly point et cetera now. As much as we don't want to be in this position where we're saying we're going to make people redundant, it may be the case later down the line. It might not happen in this side of the year, but with everything that's happening in the world, we just don't know what the next day holds for any organization. So preparing is so key. Um, I think for me, my personal experience, well, take it back a good nine years ago, um, Actually, I think longer. Anyway, forget that. Um, I was working in advertising and we lost our biggest client. Um, And I was in a position where I knew that we had lost our biggest clients. I got the call, I think, two weeks before. And I couldn't tell any of my friends um, or colleagues at work, which was really tough because I know some of them had just got their mortgages. I know some of them were planning to move out, get married, et cetera. Um, And I, I was able to deal with it emotionally, but I was also part of the process where, We were making 28 people redundant um, before Christmas, two weeks before Christmas. That was heartbreaking. But from that point on, that was what really cemented me in my career in HR is actually um, understanding the empathy side of things. Now, as a manager, what we can do to support, as I mentioned before, is this training. It's just like when you are... Um, training your team to know what they need to do in a fire this is also the time to also be realistic because it's not a case you're just training them to deal with the redundancy you've got to understand post redundancy you may have teams still working they also need to be catered for they also need to be looked after and these managers are probably going from a team where they have a good robust team that they're working with to a very slim team but the output is still the same so things like building resilience training coping with stress coaches support with the managers these are tools and these are trainings that should be considered right now um, and also in the future as well a really important point that companies need to take into consideration when they're thinking okay we may not be making redundancies now but we don't know what the future holds so let's get this kind of training into place um it may feel like an investment but yes you've got to invest in the process to ensure that actually the output is is going to be the desired output in terms of supporting people that you're making redundant, look for their next role and supporting the teams within the organisation